Hey, welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you're watching this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please feel free to contact us by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go to get access to helpful Growth Step resources. Join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear a Church Experience Worship original song. We hope this gives you time to worship and reflect on what you've just learned. Thanks again for joining Church Experience Online. I'm going to challenge you today to make a decision that will really make a difference in your life in 2019. Make a decision that makes a difference. You know, they have this uh, idea in, in decision making and in psychology that they call decision fatigue. And decision fatigue happens when you make a lot of decisions or you have a lot of decisions you need to make in a short amount of time. And it might be a long list of things to do. It might be a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. It might be conflict. But when there's a lot of decisions, you can experience, and maybe you have experienced, decision fatigue. And, and they've studied this, and it's not a thing you, you might start hearing out there. They, they've, they've seen and evaluated how judges make better decisions in the morning. When they have a lot of cases later in the day, their decision-making gets poorer because of decision fatigue. Uh, some business leaders, politicians, executives have, have realized this is a real thing for them and all the decisions they make. And some of them have famously said, like a Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, said that he's limited his daily wardrobe to just one or two outfits. So that's one less decision he has to make in the morning before he goes to work and makes all these really important decisions. See, decision fatigue is a really, a, a really uh, a true part of your life and your reality. And an aspect of decision fatigue is decision avoidance. Decision avoidance. And that's where you have fatigue from decision-making or you're overwhelmed by the decisions that you need to make, and so you stop making decisions. You avoid them. Or you choose the easiest answer when it comes to the decision, which is the default, the status quo, the way things are. You choose, the decision you make is the decision to keep things the way they are. And decision-making fatigue is real. Decision avoidance is real in our lives, and it's what keeps a lot of us from experiencing God's forward movement in our lives, our families, our careers, our spiritual life, toward our hopes and dreams. It's decision avoidance. Because although they're difficult, if you think about it, decisions are what actually move your life forward. And many people are procrastinating their future because they're not making decisions that need to be made. I was kind of thinking about my own life and my own journey, and I was thinking, you know what, decisions really, under the umbrella of God's sovereignty, His power, His control, like my decisions are what have really impacted and changed my life. So I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home, and my parents brought me to a church like this when I was a child, and so early in life, I made a decision to personally receive Jesus, to take my parents' faith and make it my own faith. I decided that at a young age, and that, that changed my life, that decision did. When I was a sophomore in high school, I decided to go out and buy a new Bible and a devotional book, and I started reading the Bible every single day. That decision changed my life. 
when I was a senior in high school, I was trying to decide where I was going to go to school, and I really wanted to go out. My mom's from California. I really wanted to go to California, live my California dreams, and go to school out there, but instead, I made the decision under the advice of my dad uh, to go to a school in Indiana to train to be a pastor because I knew God was leading me to be a pastor, and so I decided to, to go to that school so I could study to be a pastor. Well, there I met a special girl, and, and, and her dad was an intern, or her dad was a pastor out in California, and, and he gave me the opportunity through my relationship with her, my friendship with her, to go out and intern for him in California. So he gave me back that dream. I went out to California, and when I was there, I was 19 years old, and I, I realized that God had set me up, because I didn't go there just to learn, which I did learn a lot, and I didn't go there just to surf, which I did go there to surf, but I really I went there to find my future wife, because on June of, of 1999, I asked Jennifer uh, if she would be my girlfriend, and that was the decision that changed my life. Two years later, I made another decision. I'm not sure if this was a great one or not. The, the idea behind it was great, and that was that I wanted to marry Jennifer. That was a good decision, but the decision I made was to invite her mom and dad out for breakfast so that I could ask for their her dad's uh, permission to marry her daughter. And the reason why I don't know if that's a good decision, because when I asked him that question, he turned to everybody in the entire restaurant, and he said, hey, this kid wants to marry my daughter. What should I say? <laughs> Embarrassed me in front of everybody. But no, it was a good decision. I'm, I'm glad I made that. And you know, the decisions like throughout my life, and I, and I could share more, and, and you could share yours too, right? That's what's really changed our lives. Think about it. What, what decisions have you made along the way? Some good, some bad. They have got you to where you are in life these days. See, we could all share a long list of the decisions that have shaped us, that have changed us. And, and in your teaching notes, I'd love for you to write this down because it's a truth and it's, it's very important to lay a foundation where we're going. Making good decisions moves us forward. Making decisions, that, that's what's going to really move you forward. And, and I put the word good in parentheses in there because I think we could, if we had the time, we could talk about the importance of making good decisions because certainly... Bad decisions also make a big difference in your life, and they move you backward. They, they can hurt you. They can hurt others. And so bad decisions, we obviously want to avoid those, but, but we're not going to go there today because I think probably a bigger issue for those of us in the room is not just knowing the difference between good and bad decisions. It's actually making decisions. It's, it's, it's refusing to procrastinate the future that God has for you and the things he wants to do in your relationships and in your spiritual life and in your future because you haven't made a decision that you know you need to make. We're going to look at Luke chapter 5, an amazing story about Jesus calling some of his first disciples. And I love this story. We're going to get it in just a second. But I want you to think about this. You could make a decision literally today. This is true any day, but I want you to think about today especially. God set you up. He brought you here for this time to hear this message. You decided to come. The decision you make today could change the rest of your life. Do you realize that? In any moment, you could make a decision in that moment that could impact your life. It could impact others' lives. The decisions we make are powerful, and you could decide today to make a decision to act on something that forever changes your future. It's powerful. Well, let's look to God's word in Luke chapter 5, and it's a great story. Beginning in verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people who were crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. And, you know, Jesus here, he's teaching 
from the Word of God, and, and he's a teacher unlike any other teacher. He is God in the flesh, Emmanuel. We just celebrated at Christmas, God with us, and so it's, it's powerful. It's changing lives. People are crowding in around him on this lakeshore, so he doesn't really have room to, like, teach because there's just so many people around him. So there's these fishermen there, and he asks them if he can use their boat. He asks them to make a decision. Can I, can I use your boat? Can I, can I get in? And, and can I teach from your boat? And so they allow him. They're, they're listening in. They're hearing. Maybe they've heard things about Jesus. But for whatever reason, they decide to say yes. He gets in their boat, and he starts teaching from the boat right there on the water's edge to this crowd of people. And he's teaching from the written word of God. And I find that interesting because, you know, in John chapter 1, it tells us that Jesus is the living word. He is the word of God. And, and what Jesus said, we have much of it written down for us in the Bible. So his spoken word was the written word of God as well. So even though he was the living word, and even though what he said was the word, he was teaching from what they had, the written word of God. And he was placing honor on this idea of preaching. And I just want to pause here at the beginning of this new year and just say this. What we're doing here each week has been done not only for centuries and has been done back to the time of Jesus, but it, but it, it will continue to be done until Jesus comes back. It may take on different forms and be communicated in different ways, but the communication of God's word, the teaching and preaching of God's word, and the hearing of God's word is really important. It's something that Jesus gave honor to by doing it himself, even though he was the word. And so I think that this, this matter of us communicating God's word and hearing God's word is so important to make a part of our lives because faith comes through hearing, right? And so our hearing leads to believing, which leads to our actions, which changes our, our life. And, you know, it's not just the person with the microphone in their hand. It's not just their role to preach. It's, it's by the way, we're all called to this idea of preaching. All of us, we're called to it. Now, your role in preaching might be to take something that you wrote down and you learned and share it with somebody in your own home or a friend, someone you work next to, and, and it, it might be literally sharing from the Word or sharing something you've learned. It, it might be praying for, for God's Word to get out. and It might be investing in a relationship with someone that doesn't know Jesus so that they can come and hear God's Word. It, it might be through serving and watching kids so that people in the next service can hear God's word because their kids are not running around the room. They're being well cared for. Like there's a lot of different ways that we all serve and get God's word out, but we do this together. It's not just one person. It's all of us, and it's very important, and Jesus placed honor on what happens in the communication of his word. But we also all need to hear it as well as get it out. We all need to hear it ourselves. And one of the reasons why this is important is because you never know when the one day is that God's word will really break through that hardness in your heart in some area and, and transform and, and change your life. Like you never know when that one day is going to be the Sunday or the Tuesday that you were reading the word. And that word broke through and changed your life. So it's really important. And I wonder what would happen this year if you made a decision. That every time we gather together, every time you open the word personally, every time you, you heard God's word, that you were going to take one thing. One thing that you can learn about God or one thing that you can go and do to follow God, one thing that you can change in your life. What if even just the Sundays we gathered together? Like every time you heard a message and you maybe took notes and you said, okay, what's the one thing today I'm, I'm going to go and do different or I'm going to pray about or I'm going to share? What, what's that one thing? 52. You have the potential 52 Sundays this year to, to hear it act and change. I mean, just imagine the transformation through that one decision. I'm challenging our, our church this year to be consistently here gathering in worship, here or wherever we gather, to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be in worship. 
because it's just like the food that you ate last January. You probably, unless it was a really spectacular meal, you probably don't remember what you ate last January. I mean, it had to be pretty epic for you to remember. You don't remember what you ate last January. But that gave you nutrition to get you to this January. And, and God's word from week to week is kind of funny. I always feel horrible when I'm like, what did I preach about three weeks ago? And I can't even remember. I'm like, well, if I can't remember, no one else is going to. Okay, is this, does this matter, God, really? And I've had to come back to that. You know, like it matters because we, we are feeding our soul every time we get into God's word, personally, collectively. And it's giving us that spiritual food, that nutrition that we need to live on and thrive spiritually. And so I put out a challenge. If you were here last week, you heard it through video, the, the under seven club. I want you to be in the under seven club this year. And that's, this is the first Sunday of the year. So you guys are doing it right. Like you, you're here, you made it. My challenge is to, to miss less than seven Sundays out of the 52, because I know you're going to get sick and I know you're going to be on vacation. But I'm going to challenge you to, li- to miss less than six. And so just keep track. I mean, you miss up to six, but don't, but don't miss more than that. So I'm, I'm just challenging that because I believe that being here, it could change your life. And I, and I want that for all of us. And, man, it's changed my life as I look back. You know, it's not a new problem that people have to get distracted, though, and uh, fill their lives up with things that are less important and not have time for prioritizing worship in the Word. Um, back in he- Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And I find that interesting because this was written about 2,000 years ago, and it says, as some are in the habit of doing. So it's not that, well, we have all this technology, and we have, now we have Netflix, and we have all this you know, prosperity in our world, and so people have all these different distractions. It's not a new thing. Like back then, like they were still getting in the habit of being in a bad habit. That, that was, that's a human thing. That's a human nature thing, not a 21st century thing. And so I just want you to be aware of that tendency inside of you that's inside of all of us is to get out of the habit of doing the things that are really important and that, that, that matter and that, that Jesus even honored. And so as we talk about making decisions here at the beginning of the year, I just wanted to pause for a moment and say one of the most important decisions you might make is to say, I'm going to make this a priority in my schedule. And there's a lot of competing interests in all of our lives that keep us busy but what really matters in eternity for me and my family, like we've decided, like we're going to follow the Lord with all of our heart. And part of that is we know that we're supposed to gather together with believers and worship and, and get into God's word together. And just that matters. And I, and I hope that'll be a priority for you. But let, let's get back in this story. There's some good stuff here. Let's talk about decisions. Verse four. So Jesus is teaching from, he's teaching from the boat. And in verse four, it goes on. It says, when, they, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon is also known as Peter. He says to him, he says, put out into deep water. Let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night. This is what these guys do. They're fishermen. He, he, he says, we, you know, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But, check out his decision. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I'll let down the nets. You know, Jesus is the teacher, and they see him teaching. He's doing a good job at it. There's a crowd there. They're being impacted by the word. He's the teacher. They're the fishermen. That's what they do. So he's a teacher. He's a preacher. They're fishermen. But now the the preacher is telling them what to do in their career, and and, and they're like, well, this is what we do, and we've tried, and it hasn't worked. And so Jesus, you know, it really could have been easy for them to say, why don't you stick to teaching and we'll stick to fishing because this is what we do, and that's what you do, right? And, but Jesus comes, and he, and he asks them to trust him and make a decision in something that they're really good at. And I just think, you know, sometimes the thing that we're good at, the thing that we've spent the most time doing, the thing that we might be an expert in, that can be the hardest area to make a decision in. 
the, the area that you've thought through so many times, the, the area you've really wrestled with, the things that you've researched and thought about and really you tried to figure out and got advice on and, and, and you haven't made a decision, that can be the hardest area to surrender to God because of pride. See, all the things that you do know can blind you to maybe that thing you really need to know that you don't know. And they were really good at fishing, and Jesus says, I, I, but I want you to trust me in that area. And, you know, sometimes we can know so much about a topic that we spend a web of thinking that paralyzes us and keeps us from actually acting and making a decision that we know we need to make because we think, well, yeah, but. You ever done that? And maybe, maybe someone's giving you advice. You know, you should really do that. And you think, yeah, but. And then we, we share all the things that we know about that and why it won't work and why we've tried it before and why others have done it and why I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I tried last year. And, and, and we never act and our lives don't change. Why? Because of what we do know. And here they knew a lot about it. And P Peter had his good reasons. He had good reasons not to say yes to Jesus. We've tried it. It didn't work. We've done it all night. We've been doing it for a long time. We're actually really good at this. This is our profession. This is what we do, Jesus. We're, we're fishermen. He, he had all these reasons that could have been, listen, they could have been excuses. And all your reasons, if you're not careful, could become excuses. You know, many people get stuck right here. They hear God's word, and, and they know what they should do. They understand it, but they deceive themselves because they don't act on it. In fact, James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word. So listening is important, but don't merely listen to it and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. So it's telling us that we deceive ourselves when we hear it and we don't do it, when we don't act on it. So it's like a twofold thing. It's important to hear it and to hear God's word and to read it, but then there's also this decision that we make to take it from intellectual knowledge, information, and turn it into transformation. And, and God divinely works when we step out and when we act. You know, a lot of people get stuck in a cycle of, of hearing but not doing. And without a decision to act, you can soak up a lot of information and never experience true transformation in your life. Instead, we disobey God by procrastinating obedience in what Jesus asked for. So let me just ask you, where is your delaying, possibly in God's eyes, disobeying? Where is your delaying, disobeying? Sometimes we handle something over and over again. It never changes. Last year we went to the International Mall, and I was trying a place to eat there, and they had a shrimp quesadilla. I had never heard of a shrimp quesadilla before ever, and I thought it sounded good. I thought I'd try something new, and so I, I, I ate it, and I loved it, but I couldn't eat all of it. And so I asked for a box to take it home, and there were some extra chips on the table, so I threw them in and took it home. And I got home, I got settled in, and I thought I'd put it in the fridge, but... I was kind of walking through the house, came back later through the kitchen, and I saw the box there. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't, I didn't put it in the fridge. I put it in there so it stays good for tomorrow. And so I took it, and I put what felt like the second time I put it in the fridge. <laughs> and I'm doing some other things around the house. And much later, I, I come back, and there's that box. It's like deja vu. It's like sitting there on the counter again. I'm like, that's so weird. I thought I put that. I know. I, so I, I put it in the fridge it felt like the third time, and I saw Jennifer. I'm like, Jennifer, I, it's so weird. I, I feel like I keep putting the same box in the fridge. I feel like I already did it. But like, and she's like, oh, the box of chips? She's like, yeah, I saw somebody put some chips, some tortilla chips in the fridge. And like, oh, you don't want to do that because then they get all soggy. So I, I pulled them out a couple times, you know. And someone keeps putting them back in. And I'm like, well, there's actually a shrimp quesadilla underneath that. 
And she was thought she was taking chips out. I was putting a quesadilla in, a little miscommunication. We finally figured it out. But by that point, it had set out for so long. I was like, I think this is probably going to be bad. The cheese and all that is bad, so I had to throw it out. You know, I, I wonder what decision you keep kind of handling and rehandling, and you know you need to actually finish it off, make it happen, but you just kind of over and over, you keep looking at that. It's like deja vu. Oh, man, I feel like I've thought about this. You know, I keep, I keep trying to figure it out. And, you know, if, if you're not careful, if you let it sit around too long, you're going to lose it. If you're not careful, if you, if you keep over and over again, you just keep handling it. I mean, there's a chance you're going to lose that opportunity. You're going to lose that blessing. I mean, that, that thing in your life, I mean, on the other side of our obedience is God's blessing. It's opportunity. It's things that God wants to do in our life. But if you just keep, keep thinking about it and keep reasoning and you never act on it, you miss an opportunity. If God has spoken, if his written word has told us and we know and our lives are not lining up to something and we feel the spirit of God leading us in a direction and we see it and it's confirmed in his word and we know, man, I need to do this and we don't do it. What area are you delaying that might be actually disobeying? I want to challenge you today to stop procrastinating obedience. Make the decision and don't look back. And why? It's in your teaching notes. One decision matters. That's why. That's why I want this for you. Whatever that decision is, because one decision really matters. It really matters. Now, only you and God know what that decision is for you that you need to make. But that decision that you're thinking about here as we begin this new year, that decision could change all of the rest of your year. That decision can change all of the rest of your life or others' lives because one decision matters. I want you to just think about this in a few areas of our life. One decision matters because one relationship matters. What if this year the one decision you made was the decision that you were going to use all of your influence and all of your prayers to see one person find or more fully follow Jesus this year, through your coaching and mentoring and your influence, that, that you're going to see somebody, the best of your ability to, you're going to help introduce them to Jesus. You're going to invest in them and invite them and whatever you could do. If one person was in heaven because of your efforts this year, that would be a successful year. If one person was closer to Jesus in some way this year because you discipled them and shared with them, I mean, that would be a successful year, but you're going to have to decide to do that. That won't just happen. You know, one decision matters because one prayer matters. What if your decision this year was to pick a mountain that God needed moved and you were going to start praying circles around that thing until you saw it move? What would God do if you, if you said, Lord, this year I'm, I'm committed. I've decided I'm going to pray this thing down. I'm praying for less poverty in our city. I'm praying for stronger marriages and healthier families in our city. God, I want you to pour out your blessing and provision and power on our family, on our church family. God, I want it to overflow into our, our region. God, I want you to do more. What if you start circling something in prayer? What would God do? See, that's not going to happen by accident. You're going to have to decide to start praying about that mountain. You know, one decision matters because every action matters in our lives. You know, it might be an action to forgive somebody that you haven't forgiven. It might be a decision to not give up and to push through the pain. It might be a decision to go try again and to make it work. And it might be a decision to overcome a problem or commit to a, a, a friendship. It, it might be a decision to really care. But that decision is what's going to really change your life. But you have to, you have to start it. And then you're going to have to end it. You're going to have to begin it. But you're also going to have to finish it. You have to commit to it. That's the decision. Then you have to complete. You have to pick it and then also stick it. 
See, your decision is what's going to change your life. And if you'll make that decision, God will make himself known to you in a fresh and a powerful way. Our decisions change our lives. And one decision matters because it moves us forward. So let me ask again, what's that decision you need to make this year? What is it? You know, love is also a decision. Did you know that? It's kind of a feeling too. Like, you know, you have these feelings. I'm in love. I love. But man, the longer you walk in love, the more you realize that love is always a decision. I'm deciding to love. I'm deciding to serve. I'm deciding to put you first. I'm deciding to not be offended here. I'm deciding to forgive. I'm deciding to care. I'm, de- I'm deciding to love you. That's a decision. And love is what changes our life, and love is a decision as well. Luke, Luke 5, let's go back to the story. So Jesus asked them to make a decision. First of all, he said, can I get in your boat? The next decision, he's like, now I want you to throw out the nets. And I tell them how to use the boat. So they could have said no, but they didn't. See verse 5. It says, Simon asked, answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. <laughs> so they signaled their partners in the other boats. Now there's two boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So you got these two, what were empty fishing boats sitting on the shore being unused, and now they're so filled with fish, they're actually starting to sink. They're having a, a problem, a good problem. <laughs> Their nets are so full. And, and, and you know, this, this happened, this, this incredible result happened. Did you notice what it says in, in verse 6? When they had done so. Not before, but when they had done so, when they decided, when they stepped out, when they said yes to Jesus, that's when their nets filled up. That's when the boat started to sink. It was when they had done so. Our God loves to exceed expectations for those who have faith, for those who have belief. He said it clearly in Scripture. You see evidence of it all throughout the Bible. When people decide, when they act in faith, when they trust Him, God loves to do immeasurably more. When, when people act on God prompts, when they walk in obedience to His truth, when they open themselves up to the potential of immeasurably more, what God can do. But it comes as a result of their obedience and as a result of their faith and of their trust in him. And it says, when they had done so, Jesus, we've tried all night. We're tired. We haven't caught anything. And Jesus says, just trust me, throw out those nets again. And they threw those nets out and God filled them up. That's what I want in your life, for God to do more than what you expect this year. Because you, you got a net and maybe you feel like your net's empty, whatever it is you're trying to fill up. Whatever it is you want God to do in your family, in your heart, in your spiritual life. I don't know what you hope for this year. Maybe you wrote down a list of things. I don't know, but I know that my God and your God can do immeasurably more than whatever it is you're asking him for. Whatever you imagine he can do more, and he loves to do more and wants to do more. But when they had done so, when they trusted him, that's when he did more. Not when they said, all right, God, when you make it easy, when you line everything up, when you set it up, then, then God, when we see the fish splashing around, then we'll... No, we're going to trust you, God, even when we're tired and when we're weary and we're not even sure, we're going to trust you. See, in your notes, my obedience to God now lays a strong foundation he can build on later. So when I trust God now, I'm laying a foundation. I may not see an instant result. The nets may not fill up right now just because I've thrown them out. But when I'm obedient, I'm trusting that I'm doing something divine and spiritual. I'm doing something, it's called faith. I'm trusting, I'm saying, God, in this prayer, 
I may not see this prayer answered tomorrow, but I'm praying this prayer again. I'm praying in faith because I want your will to be done. And I believe, God, that this would make a difference. And, and I'm stepping out in obedience one more time. I'm forgiving one more time. I'm serving again. I'm loving again. I'm doing this. I'm making this decision because, God, I believe that what I do now makes a difference later. Sometimes one decision is maybe a decision to not say yes to something, but maybe it's a decision to say no. Because you're defined not only by your yes decisions, but also by your no decisions. Maybe your decision this year is to say no to something that you want to or feel like you should say yes to. Maybe it's something you need to say no to because you can't, you can't receive a new opportunity, a new blessing that God wants to pour into your life if your hands are full of things that you're carrying that you shouldn't be carrying. Maybe somebody should be carrying that, but maybe it's not you. You know, it's, it's hard to pick up something new when, when your hands are filled with something they shouldn't be filled with. You know, we, we're in a great season of life right now with our kids because they're 5, 7, 9, and 11. And I've loved every season of our children's lives, but this has just been so special because, you know, like we, we just took this trip to go see our families over Christmas, and we we're grateful to be able to do that. And, and you know, it's just a different, it's a different deal now than it used to be. Like, we've done this every year, but, like, you know, when they were really young, when they're babies, I mean, you're packing car seats and diaper bags and strollers and I mean just all this the stuff that comes with young children it's so much work and you're doing it all yourself I mean you've added these children but you still got to take care of yourself and all your stuff but now you got their stuff and then you got to carry them out of the car and buckle them in I mean it's you're exhausted all the time but now it's like hey kids load up the car yeah dad we got it it's like this is awesome let's do it again just for fun <laughs> Come on, this is great. And it's like they, they can actually help and carry their own load. And so it's like, guys, load up the suitcases, put them in the car, let's get going. And they load up everything. But there's a little problem with this sometimes because they're still young. And so sometimes they can get confused on things. You know, but we're, we're packing this, this vehicle, and, I mean, it's full. I mean, I'm saying, like, full. We're going for, like, a, over a week and a half to see both of our families up in Indiana, Michigan. And, and we're driving this dri long drive. And so... I mean, we got suitcases, we got clothes, and not like Floridian clothes and flip-flops. Like, it's going to be cold up there, so we got to have winter clothes and coats and hats and gloves and shoes, closed-toed shoes, I mean, all this stuff. And so we're filling up, you know, the vehicle. And then we got Christmas presents for all the cousins and families. So we're like, you know, it's all the things that we, you know, the traditions and all that stuff. And we just fill, the car is full, it's overflowing, like there's no space. I mean, the, the kids in their seats, they're having to like, like look up and over to see the other kid because there's like suitcases between them, you know? I mean, it's that full, like every inch, it really matters. We get there and we pull into Jennifer's parents' driveway and her dad's always so kind, regardless of the weather, he always comes out, hey, let me help you take everything inside. And so he's bringing everything in and we're, we're getting settled. I, I'm looking around at the, the bedroom and the chaos of everything. And once we got there and we're settled and, and I look and I, and I see this, this suitcase and I, I'm like, that's funny. I don't remember putting anything in that suitcase. How did that suit? And he brought that up. That's with our stuff. And I recognize it. I've seen it in our garage quite a bit, but that's not a suitcase that I purposefully packed. And I'm like, what? And it's kind of heavy. What? And then I thought about it. I'm like, oh, I, I know exactly what happened. We, we didn't mean to pack this. One of the kids, I think, grabbed this suitcase by accident. But I know what's in this suitcase. It's got, it's got our sewing machine in there. <laughs> We took our sewing machine 1,100 miles. We don't need no sewing machine. And we needed that space. How did that, how did that happen? Oh, man. Well, thanks, kids, for loading the car. But I, I didn't mean you to take everything that looks like a suitcase out of the garage and throw it in. But, wow. Yeah, you know, it, it made it. <laughs> made it 1,100 miles and all the way back. 
You know, I, I wonder, I just, I kind of wonder, what, what are you carrying? What are you carrying? What weight are you carrying that you shouldn't be carrying? You know, it's taking up space in your life, valuable real estate in your life that God may have an idea for. Man, I, I could really do something here at that time. I could really do something with those resources. I could really do something with those abilities. But they're all tied up and your hands are so full. What weight are you carrying? What baggage are you carrying in your life that you need to lay down? And again, it might be letting go of something in the past and forgiving. It, it might be something that you're, you've committed to that you really shouldn't have committed to. It might be something where you need to say no. What's taking up the space in your life? You know, I, I think that in laying stuff down, it, it takes an incredible amount of wisdom and prayer and seeking godly advisors because if you're like me, the tendency is to lay down the heavy stuff, right? <laughs> it's like, well, man, that's, that's, that takes a lot of time. That's a lot of effort. I'm going to lay that down. I heard someone say, though, that every good thing in life is uphill. Every good thing that you really want out of life takes hard work, sacrifice, and investment of your time and energy and heart and soul. I mean, it's hard. Think about it. What, what, what makes a great relationship work? Well, it, there's effort and there's time and there's commitment. I mean, any good thing in life is, is uphill. It takes hard work. And so when you think about, well, maybe the decision I need to make is to lay down something, you're going to look around for the heaviest thing and the heaviest bag, and you're going to say, well, I'm going to let that go. But, you know, we actually had a bigger bag in our vehicle than this bag. If I brought it up here and showed you, it's, it's a much bigger bag, and it's the bag that, that had all of our kids' clothes in it. Like, we filled this thing, stuffed it full of kids' clothes. And that was the biggest bag. It was probably the heaviest bag to lift, but it was probably one of the most important ones because our kids needed their clothes on the trip. And the heaviest thing in your life might be the thing that you need to say yes to. The hardest thing, the thing that you're like, oh, man, this is going to be intense. But that might be the thing on the other side of it that, man, you just throw out the nets again. We're tired, Jesus. Can we just go get some sleep first? You know, that, that might be the thing that you need to trust Jesus in the most. And maybe it's all these other little things, the things for you that are more self-centered, the more like, you know, this is, well, this is my thing. I love this thing. That might be the thing you need to let go of and sit down so you can pick up the thing that has resistance, pick up the thing that has challenge, pick up the thing that stretches you. Because listen, this is why retired people, and man, if you talk to them, it's so fun. Two years after retirement, they'll tell you, this is why they're so busy. It's like they retired from their job that they used to work full-time, and they say things to me all the time. People say stuff like this, like, well, I'm busier now than I've ever been. <laughs> and I just think that's so funny because I thought you were, like, building up to this point where you retire. And, you're, and it's, why, why do they do that? Why do people do that? And, and sure, they're doing different things and volunteering and grandkids or what. But they're saying, I want to be busy because I realize that my, my mind and my heart, my life, my abilities, like all that, it's just like a muscle. If you don't use it, it atrophies. And, and the goal of my life is not to sit around and do nothing. That's a boring life. I want to be busy doing something that's got purpose, that's got significance. I want to do work, something that stretches me. It's this, this muscle inside of me. And so what is it inside of you that's going to stretch you this year that you know for God, like this is, man, God, I want to pour my heart into this. I want to be busy doing things that matter. I don't want to waste away. My goal is not to just live the easy life. It's to live a good life. And a good life is a life that's focused on God and what matters to him. Well, you might need to say no to something. You might need to say yes to something this year. But, you know, as a pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed a lot of times when I see people saying yes to things that are not eternal, and then they say no to things that are eternal because they don't have any room in their life. And, and, it, and it's, you know, sure, there, I'm sure there's a part of it practically thinks, well, man, you, you could do something more important, but it's also the realization that I've done that so many times, and there's always regret on the other side of that. And every time I say yes to God, even though it's a harder decision a lot of times, 
man, there's so much blessing and the benefit and the result, and we grow. Every time you serve somebody in your own home or in a ministry setting, it's, it's saying yes and saying no to more important things and lesser things. You know, I heard someone once say that if you're not serving, you're probably swerving. Because serving, although it can be hard to serve others ahead of yourself, and it might be a real simple thing, again, around your home or your apartment, it might be, it might be a commitment you make. I'm going to serve in a ministry setting. When you do that, it's hard to put others' needs ahead of your own. But isn't that what Scripture tells us to do in Philippians 2, to, to, to honor others above ourselves and put others first? We love others. See, it's, it's a difficult thing, but it's one of God's greatest gifts to you. Because if you're not serving other people, there's only one other option. You're serving yourself. So make a decision this year to do what matters. Let me go back to this story again in verse 8. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he saw the breaking nets, the sinking boats. I mean, this had to be chaos. I mean, it seems so tame on the pages that we read here of Scripture, but it wasn't. I mean, their boats are literally, they're worried that their life's work is going to sink to the bottom of the sea because it's so filled with fish. And the nets that they depend on are literally breaking. And they're like, do we let them go? But this is like crazy. We've just caught the catch of a lifetime. What do we do? I mean, it's absolutely insane. We're, we're thinking there's just a little conversation on the boat. No, like it's wild. Like things are falling apart in a very good way. They're astonished. They're blown away. And, and it says here in verse eight, when Peter, uh, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees. Like he just leaves the madness. He falls down at, at Jesus' knees and he says, go away from me, Lord. <laughs> I'm a sinful man. I, I get it. I've, I've had enough. Like you are on a different level. You're, you're God. I'm not, I'm, I'm sinful. Like I don't deserve to be on the same boat with you. He's it says, for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. They were astonished. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee and Simon's partners. They were all just blown away. These guys were astonished at what Jesus did. And I, I, where I would love to see us at the end of this year is just to be astonished at what Jesus did. To be astonished. In your notes, for he and his companions were astonished. You want to write that down? Maybe you want to circle that word. And that word actually means, I looked it up, means extremely surprising. It means impressive. It means amazing. God can astonish you in what he wants to do this year. I mean, think about this. In the potential of a person that maybe you've given up on or a relationship that you've given up on, God can astonish you. That difficult or confusing situation you can't figure out yet, God can astonish you. The unanswered prayer in your life, God can astonish you. That area of desperation in your life that you feel desperate in, you need, there's, there's struggle, there's pain, there's difficulty, God can astonish you in that. He can and he does love to surprise his kids. And as you get to know him better, my prayer this year is that God will astonish you. I pray he'll astonish you every day when you open up his word. And, and, and it, by the way, if you don't know about this version, it's such a great tool. Uh, version Bible app, if, if, that, if that's helpful for you. Uh, you can read it on your phone anywhere you go. You can listen to it. Uh, there's all kinds of resources on there, but one of the things I love is that there's this little thing at the top that says streaks. I got a friend right now that I'm encouraging, and I challenge him. I say, hey, he was kind of was like trying to figure some things out. I'm like, I'm challenging you to get to 50 days. I just want to see it say 50 days. He's like, I'm going to send you a screenshot when I get there to 50 days, and he's working on it. And I, I know that's going to be such a gift to him because in those 50 days, God's going to speak into his life. His word's going to transform him. And, and, and what if you got a streak going this year? You have seven potential 50-day streaks in this 365 days. What if you strung a couple together? What if you went for 100 days and just every day you met with God? I think he'd astonish you. I think you'd be in the same position that Peter was. You'd be down before, like, God, you're so good. Like, God, I'm sinful. You're amazing. I see the gap now, God. I was kind of like bringing you down. I didn't realize how great you were, and I was kind of puffing myself up. Thought it was all that. And wow, God, that gap, that's, that leads me to worship. Like, you're amazing. And Peter just worshiped him. You know, what if, what if you went this whole day or this whole year 
and, and every day of this whole year, between this, this day, this year, and this day next year, what if you just met with God every single day? It can be done. What if you did it? What if that was your decision? That would just change your world. You'd be astonished at what God did. It can happen, but it's a decision. One last time, let me look back at this story. Down in the closing verses of this, it's just so good. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid because he's terrified. Like this miracle just happened in front of his eyes and his whole world just blew up and his mind blew up and his faith blew up. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish. You'll fish for people. He says, you'll fish for people. So they pulled the boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. They left everything and they followed him. They said, yes, Jesus, we're in. They obeyed Jesus in the relatively small asks. Hey, can I teach from your boat? Yeah, go ahead. You can use my, my boat. Can you throw the nets out one more time? Yeah, we'll throw the nets out one more time. Come follow me and change your whole world. All right, Jesus, like every time I've said yes to you, you've been faithful. Every time I've followed you, you've done immeasurably more. I trust you. I can live a surrendered life. How do you live a life of full surrender? You start with a little surrender and then a little bit more surrender. And every time God asks you to make a decision for him, you make that decision. And that's how you don't live with regret. That's how you live and walk in the immeasurably more that God has. That's how you stop procrastinating in your future. It might be something you need to go start today. It might be something you need to go stop today. Something that's bringing pain into your life, a problem, an issue. You might need to stop it. You might need help to stop it. It might be something you need to continue and persevere. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting on this. This is the right thing. I'm going full speed ahead. You know, this, this line that you have there at the bottom of your teaching notes, this is where I, I wanted to bring us to today because it's really what really matters is the decision. My decision is, you might know and you might be able to easily write it out, but then it might be really hard to go live it out. You, you might need to have some time to think and pray about it, but I hope you'll be able to write that down or at least bring it to mind this week and know what it is and that you will make that decision finally and that you will see God's faithfulness. You'll see God's immeasurably more. I hope you'll make that decision. And, and, and if you're wondering how to know if that's the decision or not, I think there's a lot of things we could talk about. It's got to line up with God's word. There's great Christian advice and counselors and things and pastors that can help friends uh, praying. There's certainly a lot of things that we could talk about, but I'll leave you with this thought. What if somebody walked into your life and they were incredibly godly, that they loved Jesus with all their heart, and they loved you, and they were courageous. They were someone who was bold enough to make the decisions that needed to be made, and they had amazing wisdom, so they knew the right decision. What if that person could come into your life for 48 hours and run your life? What if that very wise, very courageous person could come into your life for the next 48 hours and they could make the decision for you, identify it and make that decision? What decision do you think they would make if they could come into your life and live in your shoes, knowing what they know about you, all of your past, all of your abilities, and all your resources, and all your, your mental strength and energy and your opportunities and your relational connections, knowing what they know about you, knowing what they know about your situation. If that person could walk into your life and make that decision, what decision would they make? That's probably the decision you need to go make. I pray that you will have the courage to make that decision this week. Thanks for joining Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out our website to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song. We hope this gives you time to worship and reflect on what you've just learned.
Invited to your kingdom, living in your freedom. In love you came here. 